would take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 John chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses uh, 1 through 4 this morning as we come to our New Testament text and our sermon series on uh, assurance from uh, 1 John. That's really a lot of what 1 John is about, is assurance and helping Christians understand um, uh, their lives before the Lord and, and all the, the temptations around them. And today we're going to look at one especially. It's a very current situation and, and need for us. Um, I want to tell you a story about a, a 62-year-old woman. Uh, she was Swedish. So this, is, this is actually a true story. I've changed some of the names here so that uh, we protect people. But she was a 62-year-old woman. Um, she had been widowed, and uh, she would, wanted to meet someone. And so she put a, you know, went onto one of the dating sites and put up a profile and everything. And not long after that, she was contacted by a 58-year-old man from America. He was an engineer. And uh, they struck up a relationship. They wrote back and forth. Uh, eventually, they got on the phone and they chatted um, they really hit it off, and they were planning on getting together. Um, this man even had a son who lived in England, and he was going to school there at a university. And um, the man had planned to meet her there in England, but he had to make a stop really quick because he had this incredible job offer uh, in the country of Nigeria. So, as... Uh, the story goes on, things got kind of bad. She received a call one night, in the middle of the night, and it was this man that she had met named Johnny. And, and Johnny told her, uh, we're, we're hurt, we're wounded. My son and I were mugged, and he was beaten very badly. He's got bad wounds, he's in a coma. Could you please send some money? They stole everything that I have in that mugging, and, and I don't know what to do. I need you to send some money to my British uh, account. And so she did thousands of dollars. And then she realized that she had been had. Uh, P.T. Barnum said once that a sucker is born every moment. And he, he made a living off of this theory. And he has still many disciples today. And the issue that John wants us to see in this, in this passage is, is that he does not want you or I to be one of those suckers. While being scammed by Nigerians, uh, perhaps uh, social security impersonators, or maybe even the out-of-state uh, friendly roofer that stops by your house after a storm. While those things may be important, John draws our attention to an even more important matter. Our spiritual lives. That we would not be taken advantage of or be deceived in our spiritual lives. It appears here in this text that we're going to look at that John's readers, those he loved, those his beloved, that they were tending to accept uncritically all teaching which claimed to be inspired. They needed instruction. And so do we. So he once again in this letter draws attention to spiritual discernment. So if you would, let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-6. through 6. Beloved, 
Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and listen, and, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Indeed, indeed, Lord, it is powerful and mighty. And the grass withers and the flower fades, but Lord, your word stands forever. And so may it resonate within our hearts and minds. Point us to truth. And may you guide us then by the Holy Spirit to understand it and to put it to work into our lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, John in this text is coming back to a familiar theme that he's talked about. And it's actually the theme that is sort of undergirding all the slatter. And that's that false prophets are there. There's always a danger of false prophets. So today, what we want to do is we want to set our focus on this. Every Christian has the capacity for and needs to utilize spiritual discernment. And so John lays out three points to teach us about spiritual discernment. He first of all tells us the need um, to test false teachers. Secondly, the test for false teaching. And then finally, the work of the greater spirit. So let's look at our first point, the need to test false teachers. Um, as John begins this section, his command is blunt and yet it's very insightful. He says again in verse 1, do not, notice that, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Well, it actually began all the way back in the garden. You may remember the story in Genesis where um, uh, there's woman, the woman Eve is at the fruit tree and Satan comes up. And he begins to whisper in her ears. The great deceiver whispers in her ears. And he begins to spin the words of God into all kinds of falsehood. And so from that moment on, from the fall of mankind throughout history, we have seen over and over again this, this, this desire for Satan to spin things around. To twist God's words there is an unseen spiritual battle all those who are over all those who are created in the image of God. Now I know full well that the overwhelming naturalistic worldview of the day would put this into the category of silly fairy tale mythology. I know that full well. But that's not what the scriptures say. 
The Scriptures teach that there has been and there is this spiritual battle going on all around us. And so John here makes the point, every prophet slash teacher of spiritual matters is the mouthpiece or spokesman of some spirit. True prophets of the Spirit of God, also called the Spirit of Truth. They are the ones who speak for the Lord. And then there are false prophets who are called spirits of falsehood. And they speak for Satan. They are the Antichrist. So what we have to realize is that behind every prophet, there is this energizing spirit. And behind each spirit, either God or the devil speaks. And so therefore, John is saying, before we can trust any spirit or teachers, we have to test them. This is as true today as it was in John's day. Unfortunately, our world is flooded with all kinds of religious religions and sects, um, all claiming to be a mouthpiece from God, to speak for God. Um, you have uh, false cults and religions that lure millions of people all over the globe, promising them fulfillment and happiness and, and all sorts of things that they desire. You have Mormonism. You have Jehovah's Witnesses. They aggressively go through neighborhoods to promote their heresies, specifically heresies about Christ. And they are in just again about you know, every country of this world. The same could be said of Islam, which I believe to be a, a deeply spiritually deceiving counterfeit religion that is set as opposite of Christianity. You may remember several years ago a book called The Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code was written and it appeared to make quite an impact in its time by laying the groundwork for blasphemous teachings about Christ that weren't true in the broader culture. Or maybe, as an evangelical, you remember the book, The Shack. It has serious Trinitarian heresies. Um, and it was one of the hottest selling books in Christian bookstores all over the nation. It, along with, I'm sorry to say, many, many other so-called Christian books that line the shelves that have serious doctrinal error. Um, most of us know that there has been incredible, profound damage um, that has happened in the Christian world in terms of liberal Protestantism. Uh, there may be some that you haven't heard of, like the New Perspective on Paul, or the Emergent Church, and its strong promotion of postmodern thesis and ideas. There are around us today those who actually believe that the Holy Spirit is a force and not a person. That God accepts worship of other religions. That we should not, uh, as one seminary professor notes, be open to learning from and being enriched by the Spirit's work in these world religions. He says, listen, we can learn from them. We should be open to this. This is a teacher that teaches at a seminary that some of you may know. You see, the reality is that the list goes on and on and on, and it will until the king comes. Because the king said this would happen. He said false teachers are going to come. And he says that we need to be warned. 
We live in a world of, of smart, charismatic, charming, helpful, eloquent speakers. And they can draw massive crowds around them. And they can sell thousands of books. Or they can move into seminary teaching positions. And we need to know. And we need to be wise to. Are they teachers that are teaching from the Spirit of Christ? Or are they teachers that are of Antichrist? That's the issue that John lays before us. And he offers us actually two tests here in this passage. Um, a test for false teaching, we see our, our second point here. The first test that he offers us is in verses 2 and 3. Look at verse 2 and 3 with me. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. On the negative side of that, he says in verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. You see, this is a, a very critical, critical test for every person in the church. John is calling us to apply this to every preacher, every teacher, and every scholar. My New Testament uh, theology and, um, and New Testament book professor in Bible college used to say, um, people want to say, give me Jesus Give me Jesus. Don't give me any of that theology. But I always say back to them, which Jesus do you want? The Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Jesus of the secular culture. The New Age Jesus. Or the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus was one of the problems here in this New Testament era that John is in. It appears here that... Um, that they were wrestling with the idea and they were teaching this, this philosophy that Jesus had not really come in the flesh. And, and, you know, how could God do that? How could one so holy and so mighty and so powerful become flesh? Surely Jesus did not become fully man because the flesh is bad. John taught rightly that any erroneous view of Jesus undercuts the gospel. If Jesus was not a high priest who could sympathize with us in all things except sin, if He did not come in the flesh, then He could not be our Redeemer who bore our sin as a human in our place. And so you see, this denial of Christ was the denial of the Gospel. John speaks against this very forcefully. Uh, I almost hear echoes of Gandalf standing there before the Balrog going, You shall not pass! That's what he's communicating here. No, don't listen to this. Christianity is grounded and rooted in this one Christological question. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? When I share my faith, one of the questions I like to go to is this question. And, and I always like to ask it to see, you know, what, how will they respond to this question? It, it's a simple question. I could ask them, what do you think about Muhammad? I could ask them that. I could, I could ask them about what are your religious beliefs. But I always love to ask the question, what do you believe about Jesus? Because it kind of goes right to the point. 
And lots of times as I'm sharing, it's interesting the things that I'll hear and, and the stuff that comes out of people's mouths. And I'm always, a kind of my next kind of thing to say to people is, you know, I'm sure that you've heard of C.S. Lewis. He's a well-known writer. You probably saw those movies. Narnia, he, he wrote that story. And I'm sure you've heard of him. And you know, he had this to say about Jesus. He said Jesus was either just an enlightened teacher... He's just an aligned teacher. That's it. He's a good teacher. Which would, if, if that's true then, the things he said then would either make him next a raving lunatic that no one should listen to because he's not enlightened because he claimed to be God. Or he is the true God who came in the flesh that the Bible itself proclaims him as you see, there's really no other choices except to deny His existence altogether than those. And to deny His existence is just, it's just pure rubbish. It's pure rubbish. As a matter of fact, this week in our daily devotions, Chuck touched on the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler came up to Jesus and said, What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Jesus' answer to him is really this. Am I enough? Am I enough? We must understand that when a person claims to believe in Jesus and teaches in His name, we are to discern if their Jesus is the real Jesus who is presented in the Bible. Now, speaking of the Bible, this leads us to our next test. But I want to add one more thing before I move on from here. And that's this. Church history is important. I can't tell you how important church history is. It, for example, if you go to the creeds, if you go to the creeds, the major creeds, the Apostles' Creed that we just did this morning, the creeds of Chalcedon, the, the, the Nicene creeds, they show us who God is and how He saves, and most specifically who Jesus is. The early church got together and they looked at the Word and you have to remember, I tell my, my kids this all the time, theology is never done in a vacuum. There's always some enemy, some pressure coming from the outside which makes us go back into the Word and look at it and say, have we misunderstood? But you know, what does the Word say? If you go and you study those creeds, you will find that within the first 500 years of the church, almost every modern error cult is answered in those creeds. It's amazing. It's important. Get to know those, those, those creeds. Get to know those issues. Now again, speaking of the Bible here, the second test that John gives us is seen in verse 6. Look at verse 6. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. When John says the word by this, he means the teaching of us. And by us, John means the apostles, the teaching of the apostles. The apostles wrote, um, you know, at that time they were teaching. They were teaching all the people around them. And they wrote these letters. They wrote these gospels down. 
But they wrote these as testimonies of experiences with Jesus. They wrote about His teaching. They wrote about His miracles. They wrote about His kingdom values that He has called His people to. They wrote about the good news that Jesus, prevent, that Jesus presented. That he, he went to the cross to die for our sins. And I want you to think about it just for a moment. These are, yeah, the Bible is a testimony of men and, and, and their, their relationship to God as God has revealed Himself to them. And so when Jesus came to the earth, He was introduced to all His apostles. He called them, as a matter of fact. Called them by name. And they, they walked with Him. They traveled with Him. They ate with Him. They slept beside Him. They sat at a campfire. They listened to His teaching. They saw the miracles that He did. And what's interesting is, is even though there's, you know, there's um, the writers of the New Testament they point in their words to others who also were around Jesus. As a matter of fact, Paul gives testimony that when Jesus rose from the dead, He appeared to over 500 people, 500 of His disciples. And so what we see here is, is that, 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 that John is, is saying that these, these, these testimonies, they bear proof to who Jesus was. They not only make them, but religious leaders, Romans, Samaritans, rich people, poor people, women, uh, men, children, girls, boys, they all would point to the testimony of who Jesus is. Some of their names are mentioned in here, and it's almost like, for example, Paul's saying, you could go talk to this person. It's pretty amazing. The apostles were commissioned to preach and to teach and to minister and to write the scriptures that we have today. You must understand this fact that our faith is built on the testimony of the apostles, of their life and, and work and walk with the Savior Jesus, the God who became flesh and walked among us. That's what the message uh, of, of John is here, is, is that we must hold to that apostolic truth that was given to us of the good news of Jesus Christ. John says very specifically there in verse 5, don't listen to the voices of the world. Don't listen. Listen to us. It is the same today as, as Hamilton noted. False prophets masquerade as men and women of God proclaiming a message that sits comfortably with our multi-faith, supernatural, relativistic world. Bible truths that offend are jettisoned in the name of progress and multi-faith harmony. It has been suggested that the church should produce a Bible that brackets all passages offensive to other faiths, explaining that this was what Christians once believed, but no longer. When John says, we, the apostles, are from God, whoever knows God listens to us, he's not being arrogant here. John is affirming that Christ-appointed apostles represented him and speak his word. 
Remember, they did not choose Christ. He chose them and commissioned them to go and to make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe everything that Jesus had commanded them. You see, one of the distinguishing marks of people who know God is that they listen. And they believe and they embrace the apostles' teaching. And so I ask you, do you, do you confess the true Jesus? Is Jesus um, the one that you profess? Is, is, is He the real Jesus? Or is He some Jesus of your own making? You know, all you have to do is just take a little bit of the Bible, a little bit of Jesus from the Bible, mix in a little cultural understanding of the Bible, maybe a little bit of, the, of Jesus in your mind, and you mix that all together, and then poof, easy, believism, Jesus. Everything that we like about Him, nothing that we don't, He serves our desire. You see, it's so easy to slip into that. How about the Scriptures? How about the testimony of who Christ is? Are you listening to the right teachers? Are you listening to the apostles? Or do you have a tendency to listen to the spirit of this world, the devil, or or the spirits of deception? Are you wandering away from the truth? I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if you really pay attention, what false teachers will do is they'll hang around the Word for a little bit. They'll hang out in the Word, and, and they'll, they'll kind of soak it in, and they'll teach. But then they wander off, and they don't stay. And, and they're often praised. That's so interesting to me. Praised for the liberation. Praised for getting away from that old stuffy Jesus of the Bible. Their message is often candy-coated with statements like, Love wins. It's beautiful. But brothers and sisters in Christ, let's not be deceived. Let's not be deceived. There is a true spiritual battle going on that began back in the garden and it is over the hearts and minds and souls of men and women who inhabit this planet. But hear me, there's great hope. There's great help. Our final point is the work of the greater Spirit. In the very center of this passage in 1 John lies the hope and the help and the strength that we need. And it is for those who are of the faith, who truly believe in Jesus, that we can be encouraged Look at verse 4 with me. John says, little children, you are from God and, and have overcome them. He, he's being warm here. He's being affectionate here. He is reminding the believers of the day, and he wants to remind us today, that, that we are in a different position. That we have... As men and women and girls and boys, we have been called to be His children. The children of God. And He says that they have overcome. We ask, how can this be? How could this be? Was it because they were smarter? Was it because they had better articulation? Was it because they were better trained? That they didn't go out into the world like those who left the church at that time? Was that the case? 
Look back at the verse. No, it says, you are from God. And John makes it crystal clear. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So church, this means that Jesus, that He is our champion. That Jesus is the victor. And that He sent His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, to the church on the day of Pentecost. And the Spirit comes as a source of comfort and power. And listen to me, that no enemy of hell may ever overcome the church. It's what the Scripture teaches. Dr. Aiken puts it this way. Is the world strong? Yes. But our God is infinitely stronger. Are false prophets wise? Yes. But our God is infinitely wiser. Is Satan great? Yes. But our God is infinitely greater. And this one who is infinitely stronger and wiser and greater is now and forever in you. The Spirit comes to us, brothers and sisters, in Christ. And it illumin- He illuminates our minds to the, to the truth concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. He enables us to renew our minds to understand the teachings of the Scriptures And not only this, but God's, His own Spirit alerts us to the lies and the false teachings and the deception of those who are not God's. At the turn of the 20th century, the world's most distinguished astronomer was certain, absolutely certain that Mars had canals. Sir Percival Lowe esteemed for his study on the solar system, had a particular fascination with the red planet. In 1877, he had heard that an Italian astronomer had seen straight lines crisscrossing the Martian surface. And so Lowe spent the rest of his life and years squinting into an eyepiece of his giant telescope in Arizona, mapping canals and channels that he saw. He was convinced that the channels were proof of intelligent life on Mars. Probably an older and wiser race than humanity ever dared dream. Those observations grew in wide acceptance. So eminent was he that none dared to contradict him. Since that time we all know, don't we? Space probes have Orbited and landed on the surface of Mars. The entire planet has been mapped. And no one has seen a canal. Brothers and sisters in Christ. It is very, very important for us to remember. That by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We are to discern between truth and error. As someone has said. God help us to be unbelievers in error. As well as believers in truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and mercy to us. I ask that you would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to be discerning, to see 
very quickly the spirit of truth from the spirit of error, the spirit of error from the spirit of truth. And may we be believers in the truth that the Lord has shown us in His Word. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your Spirit's guidance in this. Oh, we praise you. And we look forward to a time, oh Lord, to that time when we don't have to be concerned about these issues any longer. So come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, come. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.